This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. It's such a delight uh, to see all of you this morning. Thank you so much for being here, we hope. Uh, my wife and I, Joan, hope you had a great Thanksgiving, uh, however that you know, fleshed itself out. Uh, we had a blast. Our son uh, and his wife, Charity, come home uh, for Thanksgiving, and it is a full-on week of nonstop running, eating, and, well, there's not much sleep to it. And so, uh, you know, you, you got to send them home just to recoup. And so, praise God, we had a great time, and uh, it was wonderful. Uh, hallelujah. I had to have the uh, truck ready at 5 a.m. yesterday morning to get them back to the airport. And I noticed that my wife, oh, she just kind of fluffed her pillow and said, bye, honey, see you. She, she was not in on that uh, trip, but amen. It was all good, so again, we hope that you guys had a great time. want to welcome all of you that are watching online. Delighted you can be with us this morning. Hope you have a Bible there someplace, wherever you find yourself, so that we can look into the Word of God to find out the truth which Jesus said would make us free. How many of you enjoy being free? A lot of people, you know, they don't really understand the freedom that's in Christ Jesus. Jesus on one occasion was teaching about whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And, and of course, the people, the recipients of his message were religious people and religious rulers of that day. And, and they said, uh, you're talking about freedom. He says, we're Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. And uh, Jesus said, well, that might be true, but, you know, whoever is a slave to sin is just that, a slave. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to set the captive to sin free. You know, in another place when Paul was writing in Romans chapter 6 and 14, he said, sin shall not have dominion over you. And that's the beautiful thing about the blood of Jesus is that it not only cleanses, but it, not, it redeems and it, it releases us from the control of sin. Thank God you don't have to. I said you don't have to. And, and, you know, if you learn the truth about God's Word and what, it's, what it is that He's done for you, you can live free from it. My wife and I, when we were dating in high school, you know, we realized that we probably ought to straighten up our act and behave a little better, but it never lasted more than about 30 minutes. <laughs> True story. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd, uh, I'd go and pick her up, you know, and then we'd be on, on our way to wherever, you know, and we'd have this conversation and never lasted very long. But thank God we found Jesus. Amen. You know, or he found us, maybe that's a better way to put it. And he changed our lives forever. And praise God, we were empowered by his ability to live away in a way that would honor him. And how thrilled we were. And we were willing to suffer the affliction that comes along with being a Christian and a child of God. We were mocked and criticized and, well, you name it, uh, we, we experienced it. But we found him. And we knew for the first time in our lives that he was real. And we were never, ever willing to give that reality up in our lives. So now here we are 40-some years later, 45-plus years later, uh, with the privilege of serving him and honoring him. You know, we were singing that song, I give my life to you, O Lord. And I think about all of these decades of ministry and things that we really have had the privilege to be a part of and to be engaged in. There's nothing like it. Uh, 
There's nothing like serving God. And and I'm not talking about just in ministry-related things. You're a child of God, born of His Spirit. You have the same privilege of being able to serve Him, to obey Him, to follow Him, to be engaged in the kingdom's business. Because, you know, uh, Jesus came preaching uh, about the kingdom of God, and He revealed to humanity, we have a record of it in this book, about the realities of heaven and a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom that is being established even now. Jesus told his disciples, he said, I'm going uh, uh, away to a place to prepare a place for you. And he said, and if I go, I will come again. How many of you know he's coming again? Yeah, to receive you to myself so that you can be where I am. That's the hope and the promise of the gospel. And so, you know, we are so blessed and there's so much for us to be thankful for. I realize in our natural lives we have challenges, we deal with affliction, uh, we deal with trouble. You know, in the world, Jesus said, in the world you're going to have affliction, you're going to have trouble, and things of that nature. But he said to be of good cheer. Doesn't It seems like a, I don't know, misnomer or something. I mean, in other words, how can you have trouble and still be happy? You know what I'm saying? But he, made it, he say, stated it this way. He said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. In other words, I provided victory for you. Glory to God. So again, we have the privilege of being able to live for him and to honor him with our lives and to respect him for who he is because he's so good. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, listen, let's open our Bibles. That's not my message. That was just, you know, I don't know, you know appetizer. That's right. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to say this now while I'm thinking about it. I'll try to remember again afterwards. But when the service is concluded, we need a few guys to take a whole bunch of decorations down out of the attic and just throw them in the uh, uh, foyer so that uh, when they're decorating the church this next week, they'll be down here on the ground. So I'll try to uh, remind you of that. Uh, if we could just have a few hands, it makes it uh, pretty quick. And I think, uh, Julia, will you be, where's Julia? Will you be there kind of, if you just go to that coffee shop, um, they'll tell you exactly what to do. Have you ever noticed women like to tell you what to do? Interesting laugh there. Yeah. Anyway, there won't be any problem. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now I'm in trouble. I can tell already. You know, all of a sudden everything just changed. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray together. We'll get into the Word. Father, we love you today. And we're grateful, Father, for this day that we gather in the name of Jesus on the heels of a holiday that we refer to as Thanksgiving. And we are so very thankful, Father God, for our lives in you and what it is that you've done, the land in which we live, and Father, the inheritance and the heritage that we have. As we come to you today, Father God, we thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord God, for speaking to these, your people, and their hearts and their minds with regard to that which they need to know. And I thank you, Lord God, for ministering to them by the Spirit of God so that they too can experience the freedom that Jesus came to give them. And so we thank you, Father, for your blessing today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 6. Uh, This particular chapter, along with chapters 5, 6, and 7, are commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. 
This is when Jesus sat down and began to teach the disciples. As a matter of fact, one time on a trip to Israel, we were actually in the place that is supposedly uh, stated to be the place where Jesus actually preached this message. And it's absolutely beautiful. You know, it's almost like an amphitheater where you up on top of the hill, which is where we were, and then there's a lot of this, you know, green pasture and different things right on down to the Sea of Galilee. And so uh, picturesque as can be, which is where supposedly, again, that he preached this message. In this message, Jesus deals with things that most of the time people, well, um, they have a tendency to want to skirt these issues. But you know, our Heavenly Father deals with our hearts. He's not interested in all the fluff and all the, you know, different things externally. When God gets to dealing with us and when He starts talking to us, He starts talking to us in our hearts. So in this message, uh, he, t- he essentially was dealing with motives, you know, and he talked about when you fast, when you give your alms, or when you give to the poor, when you pray. He talked about money, talked about a bunch of different things, but all of it was in the context of motive, why you do these things. Because the religious rulers of that particular day were what we would refer to as basically hypocrites. They would do all of these things to be seen of men. And Jesus said, if that's your motive, you got your reward. But he was talking about things that we would do in secret. You know, not because we wanted to be seen of men, but because we genuinely had a heart to help the poor or to, you know, uh, pray with an intent that something or someone could be helped. And not so much to say, look at me and what it is that I am doing. We've had that here before, you know, and unfortunately, you know, people uh, have their different ideas about things, especially when it comes to an offering or, or whatever, you know, we'll have, uh, not, not often, so I'm not saying this happens all the time, but we have had special offerings, you know, well, it, you know, because of the way it played itself out, you know, people, it was very apparent that the only reason that they wanted to give anything is so they could be seen of people. Well, the unfortunate thing about that is, is, you know, they were seen, they got their reward, and that was kind of the end of it, you know. And, uh, but when we do things because we love God, and we do our giving not to be seen of men, you know, but rather because we recognize that God has blessed our lives, and we have the privilege of being able to help others, that we can do it in a way so as not to be, again, seen of men. So he's talking about these things. And... Um, Um, Let me get this drink of water here. Smooth. (laughs) Fiji water. Uh Uh-huh. Hmm. Wow. Powerful stuff. So let's begin here. Hallelujah. In uh, chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus is speaking... And he begins by saying, no man can serve. Everybody say serve. So it's talking about servanthood here. And again, it's it's couched within the context of talking about our motives, okay? So it says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, 
And then he went on to say, you cannot serve God and, King James used the word mammon, but money. Now, you ask yourself the question, why is it that people, why is it that greed controls people? And uh, a lot of times, I I would say basically it's because of either one of two things, either because of uh, fear or pride, okay? In other words, if I can have enough and amass enough, then, you know, I will be okay and nothing, I'm impervious to whatever might come my way. Well, the Apostle Paul said to charge those that are rich in the world not to put their trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us all things richly to enjoy. So the implication is God isn't opposed to you having things, he's opposed to things having you. And that's the context of this. And again, the other thing is, is because of fear, you know, where people, uh, they're just driven by it because they're afraid of not having enough. And so he addresses that in the context of referring to God as our Father. Now, please understand that what I'm talking to you about, as we did last week, is, is us being acquainted or, or knowing our Heavenly Father. Because I tell you guys, He loves you, and He's going to take care of you. You know, God didn't change His, his uh, plan for your life or His attitudes toward you because COVID showed up in 19. Are you listening to me? Now, it's, it's rocked the world. There's no question about it, but God hasn't changed nor has his desires or his will or his promises changed. But you do have to believe him in the midst of the storm, as it would be defined, you know, and continue to believe him. And I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, um, I, I was a little bit surprised at how many people um, it really rocked their world in terms of their faith towards God. And... Um, and, and, you know, you immediately begin to think, well, you know, maybe I'm not doing a very good job here, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to ramp it up here or something, you know, because, you know, you would have thought that people would have responded in a more, I, I don't know if positive is the right way but, or right word, but, but, but a more affirming kind of way with confidence toward God and in God. And so for the last, uh, well, coming up here this March will be two years, I guess now. You know, repeatedly, over and over and over again, the Spirit of God has had me to minister along the lines of, first of all, that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. But the reality is, is a lot of people are afraid, you know. And, and I get that, but yet right on, right on the other hand, the Bible admonishes us not to fear. Fear not, you know. Don't be afraid. I'll help you. I'll uphold you. But again, it becomes our responsibility as the children of God to believe what God has said. Are you with me? So so my intent as a pastor is to help build faith in the hearts of people like yourselves so that when these things come your way, you can respond with faith-filled hearts instead of fear-filled hearts. Are you with me? And so the intent behind my sharing this with you is, is, you know, when you get to know your father the way he desires for you to know him, you won't be afraid of anything. Huh? Jesus knew him well, and he wasn't afraid of anything. His life was threatened daily, and yet he was never concerned about those matters. 
There were matters that they had to deal with, you know, when it came to, you know, provision, resource, all of these things. Jesus never even, never even gave it a thought. And, the, uh, you know, you say, yeah, but that's Jesus. I mean, dear God, he was the son of God. Give me a break here. But I think what you need to understand is, is that he said, I've given you an example that you should follow after and do as I have done. Are you listening to me? Y'all still glad you came? Okay. Well, it gets better as we go. At least I think it does. But anyway, you know, and so he gave us an example to trust God. And, and I've been reading through the scriptures uh, during the holiday and, um, and, and thinking about his, um, I don't, maybe disappointment is the right word, but there were different times when incidents and things came up with him and his disciples, and their response uh, to the situation was, was less than um, positive, and Jesus um, was disappointed in them. He, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You know, on one occasion, they had forgotten to take bread, you know, and, and so... Uh, they were concerned about the trip, and they, had, they didn't have provisions, you know. And so in that, in that moment, Jesus had just had an encounter with the religious people, rulers of that day, and he said, I want you to be careful. And, and he warned them about the doctrine of the Pharisees and Herod. Now, the reason I emphasize the Herod thing is, is that whether you realize it or not, there is a message being communicated politically. Are you with me? And a lot of people are buying into it. But it is a doctrine of the devil. You know, the Bible talks about in the last days that many shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. All right. In other words, there is a spiritual warfare or battle that is taking place. There are narratives that are being communicated. And people, unfortunately, in many cases, are, they're, they're, they're eating it up hook, line, and sinker. So the Bible teaches us and warns us not to be seduced. That's, that's the term that the Bible uses by these things. You say, well, you just can't help it. It's everywhere. Well, I understand that the influence is, is everywhere, but you can do something about it. Huh? Hallelujah. <clears throat> because, you know, as we, as we, and I'm talking to you from a pastoral standpoint, I realize this isn't like, you know, shouting and crawling all over the pews and hanging from the chandeliers, but, but this is what I do. Okay, I'm not the evangelist, I'm not the prophet, and I don't want to try to be. We'll let Joe Morris run all over the pews, or Marty, or whoever it is. In the meantime, I'm going to do what I can to try to teach you and help you from a pastoral standpoint. So when the fox comes into the chicken house, we don't all jump up in the air and say, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Somebody's going to get a gun out and shoot the fox. And everybody will be able to say, okay, you can go back to sleep now. You say, man, that's a weird analogy. Well, it works. You understood it, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Jesus came, one of his purposes in his coming was to reveal the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So anything that we see in the Gospels as it relates to Jesus and his functionality within and about the people in the king or, or his disciples is the will of God. Jesus was the will of God in action. Now, we were talking earlier about these disciples and, and how he was disappointed in them. <clears throat> he said, I want you to be careful about the theology or the doctrine or the teaching of the Pharisees and Herod. Well, you know, um, he didn't say it that way. He said, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. And the thing that, uh, you know, what does leaven do? Does anybody know what leaven does? You know, it proliferates itself. It's yeast, you know. It, it proliferates its, itself through things, and all of a sudden, everything becomes permeated with it. But by definition, in this particular context, I'll read uh, this definition that I have as soon as I find it. This is, I'm off the beaten path, okay? I just, just so you know. Leaven is the subtle influence on the mind to shape how we perceive reality. Let me say it to you again. The subtle influence on the mind to shape how we perceive reality. Now, you have to understand that when it comes to the kingdom of God and the, and the things of God, spiritual things, they're more real than this natural realm. Okay, that's hard for us to get our heads wrapped around because we live so in this natural realm. But there is truly a spiritual realm, which again is more real than the realm in which you and I live. And you say, man, I'm telling you what, I, I, you got my head spinning, you know. Just stay with me. Come on now. Don't, don't, don't go tilt. You'll be all right. You know, so <clears throat> when he made this statement to the disciples about being careful about the leaven of the Pharisees and of, of Herod, he was talking about that subtle influence that is intended to give shape to how you and I perceive reality. And if you listen to it long enough, pretty soon, you know, you accept it, you believe it, and then down the road you go. Are you with me? So you need to be very careful about all of that. Well, when Jesus figured out what they were thinking about, they were reasoning in their mind, oh, yeah, he told us this because we forgot to take bread, you know, leavened bread, you know. And so they're in a completely different, I mean, they're, they're, they're not even remotely where they're supposed to be in terms of their thinking. And, and Jesus, when, when, when he understood how they were thinking, it's like he couldn't believe it. It's like he said, What? <laughs> You know, uh, in other words, they didn't, they didn't have a clue. Did you know that there were a lot of things that disciples, they didn't understand. There, there was things that Jesus did that literally freaked them out. You know, when he, told, when he told the crowd one time he was preaching, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. Well, dude, that would turn anybody. I mean, you know, all of us would have a little bit of a problem with that, wouldn't we? But really, and again, I can't, I can't go into the details of this, to, to eat his flesh is to come or accept and you know, receive him, and to drink his blood is to believe. Now, again, I don't have time to explain all that because I'm supposed to be preaching something else in the first place. 
But in other words, he just said, unless you come and you believe, you can't be my disciple. Well, they didn't understand that. And so everybody said, this guy is a nut. I'm out of here. And they left. And he turned to his own disciples. He said, how about you guys? You're going to stick around? Jesus never begged his disciples for anything. You know, I, I know that this might come as a surprise to you, but God doesn't need you. Okay? <laughs> but we need him. Now, I will say that. Let me qualify the statement. He does really need you because he's commissioned us and mandated us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's our, that's our responsibility. So, <clears throat> so when, when Jesus heard this, and the reason I share all of this is, is that I'm exhorting you, if, if you are reluctant or hesitant or um, have had the brakes on, maybe that's a, a way of putting it, in believing all that the prophets and the gospel and the Bible have to say that you'll take your foot off the brake and start to believe what it is that he said about your life. Okay? Because in this context, you know, when, when Jesus understood, you know, that they, they weren't getting it and he was just like amazed that they didn't get it, he, he, he took them back. Why don't you just, as long as we're preaching this, might as well just show it to you. Look at Mark chapter 8. And uh, since we are here, and then that way you can, you can get it for yourself. Mark chapter 8. Y'all glad you came today? Yeah. Look with me here. Mark chapter 8 and verse 13. And Jesus left the crowd... And he entered into a ship again to depart to the other side. And the disciples had forgot to take bread, uh, neither had they in the ship with them any more than one loaf. So Jesus charged them. Um, does your Bible translation say something besides charged? Huh? Caution? What? Take heed. Sorry, it's not you, it was me. Okay. Take heed. Caution them. He charged them. And then he said to them, uh, Take heed or beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Well, you know, it's because we forgot <laughs> to go to the grocery store. Verse 17. And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, Why do you reason? Because you have taken no bread. And you have to understand that the context of that or the, emo uh, the emotion behind it was disbelief. It's like, really? You know, that, this, is, this is all the further I brought you along. He goes on then to say, he says, uh, Perceive you not yet, neither understand. Have ye your hearts yet hardened, having eyes don't you see, having ears, don't you hear? And, and do you not remember? Now, this is important because every one of you have a history with God. I mean, if you're born of the Spirit of God, you have a history with Him. I mean, if we were to take time and to have you testify, um, many of you could talk about a time in your life when He healed you or a time in, a life, in your life where 
you were in a desperate situation as far as money or resources concerned, and he showed up. Or uh, you could come up with a time in your life when you bowed your knee and you gave your heart to Christ and he changed you from the inside out. That's undeniable stuff. Huh? Or even been filled with the Holy Ghost. Many, I mean, the experiences would be many that all of us can attest to. So you have a history with him. How many of you can, can say, yes, I do? Okay. So you have a Now, here's the thing. He doesn't want you to forget what it is that he's done for you. Okay? That's why if you don't have a journal, you ought to have one. You know, I, I still, I keep talking about this. I have yet to do it, but I want to put a memorial board in my office and, and use different things that would identify the different times when I had an encounter with God and uh, he did something supernatural, you know? And uh, I need to get after that, praise the Lord. But anyway, so we all have a history and so Jesus had these disciples, he brought them alongside him, that he called 12 of them, listen, so that they might be with him. And so what was he going to do? He was going to take what was in him, and he was going to put it in these 12 guys so that when he went and paid the price and the penalty for sin, that they could continue. Everybody say continue. So, so what's going on right now is you and I are all the result of those 12 and the generations, you know, beyond them, and here we are in ours, to do the same thing, to continue to proclaim the gospel, to preach the gospel. You have no idea how privileged and how honored and how wonderfully blessed you are, child of God, when you compare your life to the world that is out there. Now, they may not be interested, uh, uh, they may not think there's any truth to it, or, you know, however they, they digest it or however they process it, but I'm telling you what, you have the words of everlasting life on the inside of you. Are you with me? So he said, don't you remember? So again, I want to admonish you in your personal lives, I mean, if you have to go back and you know, get some of this stuff out and shine it back up again. Maybe it's a bit tarnished, those different things that God has done in your life, but they should serve as a memorial. Remember in the Old Testament, God would do these different things with men and, he, and, the, and the men would, or, or women or whoever would build an altar. What was that for? So that it would serve as a reminder that it was here that God did something powerful. Jacob said, surely God is in this place, and I was clueless. And he built an altar. Are you with me? They did the same thing when they crossed the Red Sea. They took 12 stones, all of which represented the tribes of Israel, and they built an altar. Why? So they would remember that God did something supernatural in their lives. You got those things. Are you with me? And he wants you to remember so that when you get in the next storm... You know, when you're, when you're dealing with the next challenge, you can say, well, you know what? God was here, God was here, God was here, and God was here, and he'll be here now. That's what David did when he went after Goliath. You know, everybody, I mean, there was, these people, they were 
ever, it was total fear. Goliath would come out and mock them with disdain and say, you got anybody? And they never did have anyone. So here comes this 17-year-old kid, I'm your man. And they go, you're an idiot. Huh? But you know, there was something that David knew that they didn't. He had remembered his history. He said, Saul said, now you're talking about the king. This is, this is not just somebody, you know, that's out there on the peripherals. We're talking about the, the, the king of Israel telling this young boy, you can't do this. And he says, well, listen, sir, all I can tell you is, is that I was out taking care of my father's sheep, and this bear came out and tried to latch onto one of them. He says, I went out there and I smote him. And then this, this lion did try to do the same thing, you know, and I went after him, fearless. Everybody say fearless. Everybody say, I'm fearless. Yeah, fearless. And, and this is what he said. He said, essentially, he said, God help me to take care of the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be the same way. Man, that is huge. So what did he did? do? He, he remembered his history, his past history with God. Maybe you're in a place right now, you know, where things are tough or rough or difficult, and, and it may be completely different from things that you've experienced in the past. You've never been here before. You don't have the answers, all of these different kinds of things that rush through our mind and our hearts about the circumstance we find ourselves in. But listen, I'm telling you that there is a God in heaven that stands no further than a breath away from you to help you and to aid you because he is for you and he's on your side. Are you listening to me? You may not know how. You know, all of this stuff that's going on in the world today, people are, I mean, they're running for the hills. They don't know how to respond to all of this stuff. But dude, you do not have to be afraid. Did you hear me? He will take a father's place and he will care for you. Most people are not armed with that understanding or that knowledge. So back to the disciples and Jesus, remember? He said, don't you remember? And then he asked them, he just rehearsed it. He says, when we were out there in the middle of nowhere and we fed 5,000 people, he said, how many baskets did you take up when that happened? Well, they remembered that. Why? Because it was part of the miracle. They had five loaves and two fishes and they end up with 12 baskets left over. That's pretty miraculous. Plus, they <coughs> fed the whole crew. And they said, well, 12. He said, when we fed the 4,000, how many baskets did you take up? And they said, well, uh, seven. So let's read. Let's read here again. Look with me. <clears throat> um, well, I'll start with 20. When uh, the... Uh, and when the seven uh, baskets among 4,000, or I'm, I'm jumping in the middle of this, uh, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, well, se- seven. Now listen to this last verse. He said to them, how is it that you don't understand? See, God does expect something from us. That's fair, isn't it? 
and and what he wants. In other words, <clears throat> in other words, he's not. It's not blind faith that he's asking you to have at all. But he has a history with you where he has visited you in in a undeniable kind of way, and he wants you to remember that and judge him in his faithfulness. Are you with me? His ability to aid you in the situation that you're in right now. He wants you to trust him. And I believe that that's that's fair, wouldn't you say? Because God is faithful. He watches over his word to perform it. He said, I cannot lie. So if he said that he would take care of your needs, he'll take care of your needs. Now, we have a part to play in that. Again, that's not my message, but you understand that at the, at the core, we have to get to the place where we in our hearts say that this same God that delivered me, healed me, set me free, saved me, did whatever it is that he did, are you listening to me, will do it again. Are you with me? But you have to believe him. And God wants you in your walk with him, he wants your faith to grow and he wants it to develop. I've seen people that have come to our church and they've gotten saved, but they never did really grow. In other words, they didn't, you know, continue to walk with God and stay faithful and become engaged and all of those different kinds. And I'm not judging them. I mean, that's their decision. I can't, I can't make anybody do anything. That becomes their choice. But I've watched people, you know, and, and they got saved. They had an experience with God, but they really didn't pursue his plan and his will for their life. Because after all, you know, we do have our own desires, but sometimes those desires are not healthy ones because they cater to the flesh and different things of that nature. We want things a certain way. We don't want to deal with our anger. We don't want to deal with maybe jealousy or envy or maybe even unforgiveness, these types of things, you know. And sometimes we buy the lie as though, you know, well, I just can't, you know, this is the way I am. I, I, but that's a lie because the Bible says to put away lying. Now, let me ask you a question. Who does the putting away? God? Does God put away your lying? Huh. You do. I do. We do. You know? And, and, but if we choose not to do that, and, and when it comes to offense, you guys, everybody, everybody's going to be offended. You're going to get offended. Trust me. You already have. Okay? So you know exactly what it is, you know, what it's like, and you have a decision to make. Are you going to harbor that, or are you going to let it go? Say, well, I just can't help it. Oh, wrong. Wrong answer. Wrong. You're choosing not to. But I don't feel like it. Well, welcome to the party. How many of us ever do? Huh? I mean, initially, how many of you ever, you know, when it comes to forgiving somebody, you're just going, you know, and you're just ready to do it. No, you're not. But you can use your will. I choose to forgive, even though I don't feel like it. Sometimes, you know, offenses come, um, sometimes they're perceived, 
you know, as being an, you know, something not, not necessarily real. Sometimes they are real. But either way, you still have to deal with it the same way. I got to ask you one more time. You still glad you came? Okay, good. Great. This, these things will help you. Because, see, the thing of it is, is that the Apostle Paul said that we are not ignorant of his devices, and he being Satan. And he uses these things to destroy people's lives. Are you with me? There are people out there in the weeds someplace that used to be in the church on fire for God, and you can't find them. And when you do get around them, you know, there's all this guilt and condemnation, and they, and they got this tood, you know, and, and what they've done is they've buried stuff in their lives, and, and that's the way it manifests it, that you see it. Am I in the right house? You all know what I'm talking about, you know. And it's so sad. Oh. Because it doesn't have to be that way. So sad. When you think about Jesus and what it is, his life that he gave so that they wouldn't have to live their lives that way. They're unhappy. You know, I mean, it's, it's so sad and so unnecessary. But you got to be, you, you, you have to, well, that's another story all in and of itself, I guess. But, you know, you got to see it for what it is, you guys. You talk about strife. You know, the Bible doesn't encourage believers to be engaged or involved in strife. You read the book of Proverbs, I mean, it tells you whatever you do, you better avoid it. You know what I'm saying? Because it has the potential to mess up your life. Amen. You know, people come, you know, they'll attack you. And, and the whole intent behind it is, is now don't, don't go out of here and say, well, you know, the pastor told me that this guy has got a devil. I, I, don't, I didn't say that. But I'm just saying that people can be used as instruments of the adversary of our soul to start a fire. Okay? Think about Peter. Thank you, Lord. You know, when, when Jesus started talking about what it was that he was going to have to do to sacrifice his life, you know, Peter said, no way, man, that ain't never going to happen. We're going to war, baby, and I'm right by you and this and that and the other. And, and the Bible says that Jesus turned to him and said, Satan, get behind me. Now, he wasn't calling Peter Satan, but he was an instrument to try to keep Jesus from obeying or fulfilling the will of God in his, or, you know, for his life. Do you understand that? So Mr. Whoever or Mrs. comes along and they sow these seeds of strife. They call you on the phone and give you a little message for you to think about. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a self-destructive kind of thing. The devil sows a seed and he just, lets, he, he just stands back and watches you, you know, corkscrew yourself into the ground. Listen, you guys, let's get smart and say, no, uh-uh, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this. See it for what it is and refuse to step into the trap. Don't 
buy into the scheme or the wile of the devil. Amen. This is better preaching than you're doing amen, and, but I know you're just listening. Hallelujah. It's good. It's good. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I don't even have a clue where to go with this. Amen. We're not ignorant of his devices. Let's, you know, this has come up a couple times. Go over with me to Second uh, uh, Timothy and uh, chapter 2, 2 Timothy and chapter 2. I don't know, maybe this is somehow related to your Thanksgiving uh, experience. Maybe things didn't go so good. Amen. There is one more, uh, something that I want to get to. Maybe we'll come to the uh, close with it. But notice here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, <clears throat> let's start with um, verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands, what's that word? Sure or steady. The things that God has said and spoken, they, they don't change. Are you with me? He goes on then to say, Having this seal that the Lord knows them that are his, and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So if you've got sin in your life, and yet you call yourself a Christian, it's time to do a little house cleaning. Thanks for your excitement. Hallelujah. You can't get the blessing of God in your life when you've got sin in it. That's all there is to it. You compromise with sin, it'll kill you. It'll destroy you. It will take everything you have away. <clears throat> and, and that's the reality of how dangerous these things can be when we don't deal with them. Are you with me? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, bow your heads for a minute, will you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know this is unusual, but I, I made a commitment that I was going to obey God. When he prompted me, I was going to obey God. There is someone here in the house, and um, this involves a relationship that you have. I believe it's with your father. And you've wrestled with it. Uh, you've come up against it. You've endeavored to deal with it. And um, actually, in a, in a very real sense, you have. But it resurfaces. And what it does is it causes you to question um, your position or your heart or whatever. And the Spirit of God just wants you to know that you're, in, you're on good ground. And you've dealt with it as, as He has asked you to. And so do not allow your more, most current experience to subvert or to undermine uh, the decision that you have made. This problem is not with you, it is with them. And so rejoice and be glad and, and stay the course 
because you find yourself on good ground and you will discover in, in your future um, that you were right and others will come to know that you were. Hallelujah. You can all look up here at me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, whoever that is for, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. Amen. And um, so, um, stay the course. Amen. That can be very freeing to you. I'd like to get a a witness from you, but I'm going to hold that in reserve till later. Amen. Amen. All right. Now, so anyway, notice it says here in verse 20, how many of you know God can interrupt us anytime he wants? Okay. So in verse 20 here, it says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, the house of God. Okay. It's talking about uh, uh, the house of God. But in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some which honor, some which cause dishonor. You know, um, if a man, therefore, will purge himself from these, and we don't have time to get back into the these, just go back in the chapter, you can find out what these are. He'll be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or able for the master's use and prepared for every good work. Goes on then to say, flee youthful lusts, Follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Now listen to this. But foolish and unlearned questions do what? Do what? Say it again. Foolish and unlearned questions avoid. People ask me, you know, what do you think about COVID? You know, when it first came out, what do you think about COVID? You know, are you going to do this or are you going to do that? And my simple answer to them was, is that if I just told them, I said, if I felt like I needed to do something, I would do something. I just don't feel like I need to do anything. Okay. So don't shout me down because of that. But I just don't feel like if I felt like I needed to do something, I would do it. You know, I'm not opposed to medication or uh, physicians or anything of that nature. You know, if that's where you feel you got to go, then that's, that's what you do. I'm not your judge. I'm not, I'm not, you know, this and that and the other. But on the other hand, don't be mine. You know, the street runs both directions. You know, well, did you hear what he said? Say what you want, you know. But anyway, where were we? Unlearn, or unlearned and foolish questions avoid. Notice what it says here. Let's read this. It says, <clears throat> verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing Knowing, everybody say knowing. Knowing that they do gender what? Strife. A lot of things you know that people approach you with, it is, it is um, designed to cause consternation. You know, you, you turn on the television station and, and, and you start listening to the news or something like that. All, all of it, the narratives are all cast in a certain light to create a narrative that goes one direction or the other. And for sure, we want drama. Okay? So it's designed for. So for foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they, they, they cause or they develop strife. Now notice what he says in verse 24. And the servant of the Lord. How many servants of the Lord do we have here today? Okay, the servant of the Lord, it didn't say it would be a good idea if you didn't. It didn't say that. It said must 
not strive. Don't stick your foot in the trap. Now, they'll get mad at you because you don't engage yourself in their nonsense. But that's okay. You can't help that. Yeah. But, you know, they get all bummed out because they can't, you know, drag you into their mess. Say, no, man, I ain't going there. I know better than that. I ain't that dumb. Huh? So it says here, servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men. Now, that's a challenge sometimes. You know, any of you have a challenge with that? I have a challenge with that. Dude, I want, you know, I, I, thank God I'm saved. At least there's some restraint. Yeah, anyway, you get it. Be gentle unto all, able or apt to teach, patient. Everybody say patient. <laughs> patient. Forbearing is the same word. Huh? That takes work. Oh, shnamandanangabaha. <laughs> yeah. In meekness, verse 25, instructing those that oppose themselves. It's an interesting take. If God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, now listen, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of what? Who? The devil. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. How do they do that? By acknowledging the truth. If they don't acknowledge the truth, they'll never um, be delivered who are taken captive by him at his will. That's a scary thought, isn't it? So be careful about what, how you think. Be careful about what you believe. Be careful about the people you hang with, okay? And I don't, I don't mean that you abandon relationship. You don't have to burn the bridge. Maybe in some cases you do. I mean, I don't know, but you understand where I'm coming from? I was just thinking about it this morning. I was thinking about a great friend of mine and... and, um, and you know, because of different things, there's no relationship there anymore. And, uh, but how I really love them and how sad it is for the breach, you know. So, so I'm not burning the bridge, but I'm not going to have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness either. You with me? Just, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, so... You know, in all of our lives, you know, we have different relationships. And, um, you know, when Peter got thrown in jail <clears throat> and uh, the angel delivered him, aren't you glad, praise God, if you end up in prison or jail, praise God, that God will deliver you? You say, well, I don't want to go there in the first place. Well, all right. But, you know, you know, it, it, stranger things have happened. You know, that pastor up there in, in uh, Canada, he, he just, his mind on business, flew into into the, uh, back into his country, and guess what? He ended up in jail. Yeah. So there's all kinds of weird things going on. You say, aren't you afraid? I don't have to be. I said, I don't have to be. Amen? I, I, you know, God said that he would take up for me. You say, yeah, but it could be a little uncomfortable. Well, I guess that's probably right. It could be. But I'm not afraid. We don't have anything to be afraid of. Are you with me? But here, I'm going to bring this to a close because we're coming up on the top of the hour here. So here's the thing. God wants you to grow. 
And, and what I mean by that is, is I want you, as your pastor, I want you to begin to have your times of devotion with the Lord, reading the Gospels, and get acquainted with Him. Look how He responds. See how He answered. Listen to what it is He told His disciples to do. Grow in your relationship with Him. Let it, let, you know, discover how much He cares for you, how much He's on your side. Really? Okay. All right. You got time for something real quick? Of course you do. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. <laughs> Amen. You drove all the way over here. You might as well get, you know, we might as well shovel off the whole load, right? Notice what it says here in Numbers. This is a story about Israel. And it's kind of sad, but it's, it was written for our admonition, for our learning. God wants you to learn. I, I believe we're learning here today, don't you? Yeah? So notice what it says here. You know the story. They sent 12 guys out. They went out for 40 days, checked everything out, came back. The Bible says they brought back an evil report. And they said the land is just like God said it is, excepting it's got walled cities, giants, and all kinds of problems, and we can't do this. The Bible says that Caleb then stilled the people and said, let us go up at once. We're well able to take the land. Let's go and possess it right now. And so there was all this consternation and fighting going on. And I want to pick it up in uh, chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and they cried. And the people wept that night. Now listen to verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against the leadership. One of the things that happens in people's lives is they always want to blame somebody. Okay? So whoever's the biggest target, that's the one that they... I mean, you know, I've been criticized by experts, you know, when I didn't even have anything to do about, with it. You with me? So the Bible says that the children of Israel, in verse 2, murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, would God, or we could say, if only, you know, that we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only... Uh, God, that we had died in this wilderness. Now notice it says in verse 3, so, so in other words, they're complaining and they're murmuring against Moses and Aaron, and then they turn their, their venom or their visceral uh, blaming and attack on God. Look at verse 3. Wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should be a prey were it not better for us to return to Egypt so they're blaming God why does he why does he bring us into this land do you know how many people Christians a lot of times and again I mean sometimes with people's different levels of spiritual growth I get that but listen wherever you are don't ever blame God for the problems that are in your life because he's not the one to blame. He's for you. The devil is the one who tells you, well, God, you know, if God really loved you, he wouldn't have this and this wouldn't have happened and how come that and whatever, you know, are you with me? Don't ever go there again in your thought life. It, God didn't cause it. God didn't, 
you know, was not the author of it. Are you with me? Because that's exactly what they're doing. And that's, that's human nature. It's sinful nature to blame God. Adam did it. Well, listen, dude, it's the woman that you gave me that caused me to do this. No, dude, you picked up the stinking apple and took a bite. Apple, whatever it was. Fruit. You with me? So anyway, let's go on reading here. <clears throat> Verse 4. They said to one another, let's make a captain and return to Egypt. And then Moses and Aaron fell on their face before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And now listen, this is what I wanted to get to. And Joshua, the son of Nun, Num, Nun, 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 okay? Uh, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, Listen, the land that we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. Now listen, verse 8. If the Lord delights in us. How many of you know that the Lord delights in you? Now, let me say that again. How many of you know that the Lord delights in you? Because a lot of times people will mentally agree with what I just asked you, but they don't know that they know that the Lord is on their side, that he is for them and he is in them. He's purchased you with his own blood. He's made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. I mean, there isn't anything more that he can or even needs to do to assure you that he is for you. In every situation. I mean, even in our, our error, our sin, or our messed upness, God is still on your side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And that's essentially what Caleb was saying right here. He said, he made this statement. He said, if the Lord delights in us, he's going to bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. But don't rebel against the Lord. Neither fear ye the people of the land, their bread for us. Their defenses have departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But you know what? It wasn't enough. And that congregation, man, they came against them big time. Finally, God shows up. And the cloud shows up. Guess what? Everybody stopped talking. And he has this conversation with Moses. He says, you know what? I'm sick and tired of the whole bunch. Let's just waste them all and we'll start all over. Thank God Moses was there. Huh? And he wasn't mad at them. Huh? Thank God he didn't say, you know what? You're right. Come on, let's do it. He didn't do that. He interceded and he prayed for them. Wow. I said, Wow. You think about, he didn't want this job in the first place. He said, you got the wrong guy, dude. Go find something. No, I got the right guy. You're it. I'll be with you. Go. So he's, he's had to endure all of this. But he prays and intercedes for him and says, God, you can't do that. And then the people would say that your arm was too short to be able to bring them in and so on and so forth. And, and he says, please pardon them because of the greatness of your mercy. Please, please forgive them. And... God said, because of your word, I will. 
But he said, as surely as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And I'm going to judge them out of their own mouth. You want to know why some people are in the pickle that they're in? Just listen to them talk. And it'll tell you all about it. Are you with me? So they all died in the wilderness. Why? Because he said, they have tempted me. Think about the long-suffering of God. They have tempted me these 10 different times. Wow. I mean, they had all of the things that he did in Egypt. And then when they got out there and got to going, he turned, you know, the uh, uh, bitter water into sweet. He did all these things. He, the Red Sea experience had all these things. And Listen, they had a history with Jehovah, with God Almighty. And even in that, with all of that stuff, still hard-hearted, still not believing. There's one more verse here that I want you to read with me, if you would, please. In, uh, in this same context, uh, verse 11 the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people provoke me? Now listen, and how long will it be ere they, what's that, those next two words? Believe me. When are they going to believe me? Well, in this case, they weren't, and they, they suffered because of it. Thank God that you and I can learn from those that have gone on before us and enjoy the, the, call it pleasure if you want to call it that, but the benefit or the grace of believing. Everybody say, I believe. I believe. God wants you to believe Him. If you're in a bad spot today, God wants you to believe Him. You may not know or understand. That's okay. He, he gets that. I mean, obviously, you don't. But you know, you can tell Him that. And you say, God, I, I don't understand. What's going on here? Because God wants you to grow. And he wants you to develop. He wants you to build your faith and exercise it. It might be, you know, to start with, you know, that there are certain things that are in your life that you know, come on, be honest, man. There's stuff in your life. If, if in fact, there's stuff in your life that you know displeases him, that's where you start. You just come up and acknowledge. You get honest with yourself. Say, God, I know this isn't right. I know I need to get this squared away, and I'm going to do it. And here's what I'm going to do. Everybody say do. Don't just talk about it. You start taking steps to get it right. Thinking about a story. And again, this is where I was trying to go, and I'm going to close, and I get to tell it now. And that was is that we had somebody that came into our church, got turned on to the Word of God, and um, genuinely got saved. God moved in their life, moved in their marriage, did some things, caused reconciliation. It was powerful. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. But there were things in this person's life that <clears throat> he didn't take care of, and it was alcohol. And, you know, and you can argue, you could say, well, you know, that's a pretty powerful kind of drug and people can get, you know, enslaved to it and it can be really hard to get uh, delivered from. And, and, and all those things would be accurate. They would be true. But I'm just telling you that there is nothing that is more powerful than him. Are you with me? So, so 
Well, and as a matter of fact, you know, I think for a time, you know, that was all right, but it creeps back. You know, sin tries to creep back in your life, and it crept back in. And sure enough, he ended up with cirrhosis of the liver. He ended up in the hospital. I remember going in and visiting him, and I looked at him, and I said, this party's over. I mean, I like to say I was God's man of faith and power, but I was more paste and flour, you know? And I walked in, and I looked at the circumstance. He had his jaundice. It reminded me of my dad because my dad was in the same, same shape. You know, all yellows, distended stomach. I mean, all of the symptoms. My dad, my wife and I, she wasn't my wife at the time. We led him to the Lord. Two days. He never, he never left the hospital. Two days before he died, we, we led him to Christ. Talk about the grace of God. Well, so I walk into this room and I see this situation. I said, well, this is over. He's a believer, you know, so at least he's going to go to heaven. But that's, that's, you know, that's it. So I did what I could, you know, as far as ministering to him to prepare him, you know, this and that and the other. And I walked out the door, you know. Well, I don't know, a day or two later, two other ministers go in there, one of which is an evangelist. They lay hands on him, and the power of God hits him and heals him. And three days later, he walks out of the hospital. Well, I'm thinking, man, I need to go have another visit with Jesus. I didn't do so good. But you remember, I'm the pastor. I'm not the evangelist, remember? You know, I'm just doing what I do. I, 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 I celebrated. I rejoiced. Supernaturally, God touched him. There was nothing that medical management could do or medical science could do. And that guy, three days later, walked out of there. You know, everything changed, everything, whatever, you know, and away he went. Hallelujah. Now, what's unfortunate about it is, is he got out of there, this and that and the other, and some things maybe, you know, didn't go quite right in his life, and he went back to drinking. And it killed him. Now, you know, a lot of people, they, 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 they look at these things. That, listen to me, you guys. Listen, I'm talking to you about, I'm talking to you as your pastor. There are things that happen in people's lives, and you don't understand it, and you say, well, if this is right, or if healing is right, or what, I mean, I don't know how your reasoning goes, or what path it goes down, but listen to me, you don't know everything. Did you hear me? I mean, there are things that are behind the scenes. We've had people that have died prematurely in our church, and people, it's rocked their world. They said, well, you know, if God, I mean, if they don't get it, who in the world can? You don't know everything. Did you hear me? Because there are things in people's hearts that you don't know anything about. Are you with me? Sometimes people can die of a broken heart. Are you with me? I mean, there's stuff that goes on and, and their heart is broken, and then another storm comes, and they are unable to sustain themselves in that thing. Amen. So, why do I say that to you? Because as we go down the road of life, these things will happen again. And as your pastor, I want you to know and understand on this side of it that, you know what? Uh, I, I have my own assumptions about this, but I don't know everything about it, so I'm leaving it alone. With me? 
We had a young couple in our church. I've shared this story before, you know. They're going to Kansas City for the weekend. Something happens. We don't know what happened. But they end up going off into the ditch, careening off of something, end up killing one of the girls. Well, you know, I'm a new preacher, young. We're in our 20s. We're just trying to get ourselves figured out here. And, and it, it's rocked my world because, praise God, the Bible says the secret, you know, that they that uh, uh, dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I believe in the protection of God. When God told Abraham, he said, I am your shield, your protector, and your exceeding great reward, your provider. And now I'm going to do a funeral on a child. Are you with me? I don't understand that. And to this day, I don't understand it. I mean, I do a little bit, but I don't. And so what do you do? I go on down the road, and I keep preaching healing, protection, and provision, because that is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You know, it's, it's just so important for you not to let these things throw you. And people, I mean, people get thrown. I've got people that are no longer in my church because of what I just got done describing to you. Well, that must not be true, or faith doesn't work, or, you know, I don't know what, what happens, but obviously they get assaulted by hell in order to get them not to believe the truth of God's word, but they don't know the whole story. It's... I know I'm taking too long, but it's like when people, when, when we're going down the road of life and all of a sudden out of nowhere, somebody ends up getting divorced and, and we just, you know, we're in shock. Can't believe it. How in the world? You know, I mean, how can this be? But what you have to understand, it didn't happen that day. This stuff was in, you know, if you don't, if you don't love your wife, if you don't respect your husband, if you don't do the things that the Bible, do. I said, if you don't do the things that are in the Word of God, then you're going to have trouble. And, and there is no amount of anointing, uh, smearing, uh, gobbledygoo, or nothing else. Well, that preacher didn't have it. If he had it, we'd have, you know, Listen, dude, there's stuff that goes on in people's lives not even God can fix because it's not his place to fix it. Not that he can't do whatever it is that he wants. You understand? You know? So, everybody say it together with me. God is faithful. faithful. Say, God is always faithful. faithful. Say, God is true. true. Say that God is true to me. In every area of my life, he is always faithful and he will always help because he loves me unconditionally. In spite of me, he cares for me. Why don't you stand with me if you would please? Praise God. Well, this certainly went a different direction, but I got another message for some other day. Amen. Let's bow our heads for just a minute. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, as we stand in your presence this morning, I just want to thank you so very much, Father God, for your true 
word to each and every one of us where our lives are concerned. And it's my prayer, Father, that as we have endeavored to communicate with these, your people, Father, that these things have found a place of lodging and rest within their soul. Father, I pray that they'll take these things to heart, that they won't allow the distractions of this world to wash it away, but that they really will think about, meditate, and contemplate the things that they've heard here today. And Lord, I ask you to help them to make an application within their lives. Let them know how much you love them, Father, and how much you're for them and on their side. Those that stand in a place of difficulty or challenge today, Lord, I want to thank you for arming arming them with this truth that they've heard today in order to combat whatever it is that may be assaulting them. And that, Father, they'll (laughs) emerge victorious in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I thank you for your grace upon their lives, Father God, to heal them, to deliver them, and to set them free. Thank you, Lord Jesus. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what I want you to do. If you've got a need in your life, and I don't, you know, it can represent anything. I mean, I know that we all have needs, but there's something pressing upon your life. Right now, I just want you to hold one hand up toward heaven. And we're going to pray as a congregation. And I just want you to um, let your heart agree with this prayer. Hallelujah, because I I believe that God wants to do something about your situation. So hold it up toward heaven if you have a need in your life. And say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today with my need. And I thank you, Lord, because you said that you would provide for every need, all my needs. So in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, right now for caring for this need. I cast my care of this need onto you in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for taking care of it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. You say, is it that simple? Yeah, really it is. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. Now, I wouldn't want to take anything for granted, so I'm going to invite you just to bow your heads one more time because, matter of fact, why don't you go ahead and just be seated and bow your heads. I don't want to take anything for granted. And this could be true whether it's in this uh, auditorium or it could be for those of you that may be watching online. But if you never ask Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life, that's, that's where faith begins. It, it, it begins in accepting Him as your Lord and Savior. 
So again, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no, no one's looking around. If you've never made that decision, I'm not talking about whether you've been baptized in water or you're a member of a church or anything of that nature. You never consciously made a decision to ask Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. And you'd say by your uplifted hand, Pastor, would you pray for me? I have an interest in your prayer. Can I see your hand anywhere in this auditorium? Or again, those of you that may be watching online, you've never, ever made a decision to receive Christ. It's important. It's important. It's the difference between heaven and hell. There's a heaven to gain. There is a hell to shun. And this affords you that opportunity. Anyone as I look across the crowd? For, for the sake of those online, we're going to pray a prayer, church. And let's just pray together. Those of you that are watching, if you've never, you've never asked Christ to come in your heart, pray this prayer out loud and let your heart agree with it. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I make you my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to tell someone. If not, even just uh, call the church. Let us know about the decision you made. We'd love to take some materials and place them in your hands to help you get started on this decision that you made for him. And uh, so if you'll do that, we would be honored to be able to do that. Praise God. And uh, hope you'll come and join us live here sometime. Amen. God's good, isn't he? Amen. Y'all glad you came this morning?